What's going on, Washington Football Addicts? We're live today on the 22nd of May. We have episode 71 coming to you. Got myself, Steve here, uh, emceeing this uh, this fun time tonight, and we're joined by by Dev. Yo, and uh, we got Mr. Phil joining us as well. What up? All right, we're gonna start our show like we always do. Dedication to. A famous number 71 to wear the burgundy and gold. Take it away, bro. Well, I know some of you are going to think I'm going to go with one direction on this 71, but I'm going in a different direction. I'm going for a personal favorite on this one. One, Charles Andre Mann, defensive end from 1983 to 1993 with the Washington football team, was a Washington Redskin, um, and spent his last year of his career with the 49ers as a backup on their last Super Bowl winning team. What can I say about man? I mean, he's a four-time pro bowler. Uh-huh. Uh, he had 83 sacks in you know, 11 years with the team. Um, was the lone guy who stayed on the field in all situations. Uh, he and Dexter Manley formed one of the most notorious pass rushing combinations in the NFL throughout the eighties. Um, and even when Manley left the team in 89, or after 89, uh, man was still the guy. Uh, he His job wasn't just to rush the quarterback. His job was to just wreak havoc. He was to occupy the offense's attention. He was, you know, just he freed up other guys on the defensive line in the linebacking core to do things. Um, and, you know, was, was a damn good pass rusher. Didn't put up elite numbers, but he had elite skills. Athletic guy, he was 6'6". About 270, was quick, long-armed, kind of the prototype for the modern defensive end, just in, you know, in his reach and everything else and, and his build. Uh, so Charles Mann, a Ring of Fame member, one of my favorite Washington football players of all time. Dude is 60 years old. He doesn't look like he's aged since 1988. Um, and, and he looks like he put on pads to still play. Um, and you know, Charles Mann, just, he's one of my personal favorites from my childhood. And I was a guy that when I went out to play football for the first time, that's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be, I even put it in my eighth grade yearbook. I want to be, what do you want to be when you grow up? A defensive end for the Washington Redskins. Cause I wanted to be Charles Mann. I, mean, I think he's one of, one of our favorites across the board, man. And he was so nice every time you heard him talk so he he spoke so well and just a very underrated dog if you ask me you ever noticed that he's a, he's one of the few guys that nfl films mic'd up a lot like that was a pass rusher that never cursed if you i something i always know yeah. the man never cursed ever i, I thought really, that was the weirdest thing i never really noticed that but you're right he doesn't he doesn't curse he, he doesn't like he's yeah. like he he's He's this clean-cut dude who played like a monster on the field. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's the kind of guy that I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, a lot of kids my age, when, you know, when they were kids, their parents probably were like, you know, pointed to him as somebody like, you know, you should be like that guy. You know, workhorse, spoke well, uh, you know, represented himself in the community well. You know, nothing bad I could say about Charles Mann, not a word. All right. That's what's up. All right. Well, let's go into our first topic here. And it, there seems to be a recent trend of fans from the Washington football fan base. We'll, we'll call it capping for, 
for players who are leaving the team. People used to make the old argument, oh, he's going to leave. He's going to ball out somewhere else. And you know what? It never happened. I think you can probably name on one hand the amount of times that actually happened where somebody left and just completely got good. Maybe like Carlos Rogers after he got his, his eye surgery and and really? Kyle Fuller for a year on the Chiefs. But it's hard. To, really? Yeah. Kind of, maybe, sort of. I don't know about maybe. Ryan Clark's but probably still, the biggest I would example. Say, Ryan Clark's the biggest example of that. Yeah. Ryan Smith. One. Um, Smith with Green Bay. Eh, yeah. Preston. Preston Smith to some degree, but he he didn't really do that much more than he did with us. I mean, the perception is he did. Uh, because if anybody plays any better yeah. than they did here, Immediate, it's like, oh, they went somewhere and balled out. Well, no, they had like six sacks here and then seven sacks the next season with some other team. Exactly, ball out, just a little bit more production. But right, and it, and it's really it's really linked to all the drama that we saw this past week about Ryan Kerrigan leaving, Morgan Moses leaving, Jerron Christian leaving. Who else did we release in the off season or did lose? We lost Kevin Pierre Lewis, right? Wow. I mean, I'm yeah, Ball, yeah, yeah. Moss. Uh, Ronald Darby. Thaddeus Moss, yeah. No one's, no, one's, no one's capping for him. Darby was a tough one. I felt like he played very well. He had his best career year with us, but I think he just wanted to get paid, you know, respectively, as he should. So, but I don't know. What do you, what, Dev, what do you think about about uh, fans, you know, capping for players who probably won't do anything on another team? I mean, they're gone now. Who cares? Let it go. You know, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I, I mean, I like Morgan Moses, too, just like everybody else did. He was a steady dude. He, he came in. He played hard. You know what I'm saying? He he was a, a really nice, bright spot for our offensive line last year, who we pretty much predicted to be ass juice before the season started. You know what I'm saying? So so I handed to Moss. I mean, not Moss, but uh, Moses. I, I like what he did. I, I'm going to miss the guy. If the next guy isn't up to snuff, I'm really going to miss the guy. Right. But you know, hey, good luck in your career, man. He he's not going to be uh, without a job for long. He's a he's a he seemed like he was a consummate pro. So uh, I wish him well, man. The same thing with Kerrigan, man. I, I wish Kerrigan well. I'm glad he got picked up fast. I wish it wasn't for the Giants, but hey, better than for the Cowboys, man. Philly, Philly, right? Yeah, else. Philly. My bad. See how much they <laughs> see how much they matter, Eric. Nobody even remembers their damn name. <laughs> well, I mean, we, so we talked about the, the show. That's right. We talked about this last last podcast with Manny, but he yeah he's sitting behind Derek Barnett and and Fletcher Cox. He's not going to get that much. He's going to get the same amount of playing time as he got here. Yeah, yeah. Having to go yeah. too far from DC. I mean, we I haven't released his contract yet. Have we seen his contract number yet? No, I haven't. I don't, I don't. I was it only for one year, though? I uh, I don't know. I have no idea. They just said he's signing with Philly. I would have rather had so. a Kerrigan here to play that same role, though, they played last year, honestly. You know, I'd rather have a veteran, somebody that knows, you know, is going to be at least adequate uh, yeah. being behind Sweat and Young at defensive end. I'd rather have Kerrigan than lose him. But I understand why you got to lose a guy like that. I understand why you can't re-sign them. I get it. 
Well, <laughs> we're not going to resign you. They, they told him they weren't going to resign him. Right, right. Hey, I know why you're not going to. I mean, I, I understand why the organization did not resign Kerrigan. I totally get it. I mean, I if they had to resign him, I'd have been fine with that too. By the way, well, I'll tell you what, they're getting him. They're getting Kerrigan for cheap. He got a one year, two and a half million dollar contract. Right. Okay. And the Eagles did have to. Ex- Here's the thing: the Eagles are in a cap hell, and I think that they got realized they're gonna have to. They were gonna have to do. They had to do some salary cap tricks just to get two point five million freed up for Kerrigan this year. Um, about half of that's a signing bonus, actually. Too. Um, the thing is, I understand why you let Kerrigan go. Kerrigan's on the downside of his career, and you're trying to get younger, faster more um, flexible in terms of what you bring to the table. You want more tools in the toolbox. And Kerrigan is was becoming very one-dimensional. He was already not a player with a ton of dimensions to begin with. Um, what he did do, he did well. But it's not like he was so dynamic even in, his, in getting older at age 33 that, you know, it was it was still having so much of an impact that you needed to have him on the roster. Moses, though, it's like we we gotta stop. We're, we cap for replaceable guys, and I get it because we've had guys who have left and have done fairly well for themselves. A couple of them did ball out uh, over the past twenty years, but none of those guys when they were here were were irreplaceable in their production. Ryan Clark wasn't blowing people out the water with his performance. We just thought he had the potential to do so. Preston Smith, it was every year with Preston Smith, it was this is the year he's got to break out. This is the year he's got to break out. This is the year he's got to break out. And it never came. It was always the same. It was consistent. It was good, but was not irreplaceable. You should get mad when we lose. He, he should have never been in a well half of our dude should have never been in a three four. I I just think as soon as he went to a four three, near should have carried. You, you saw the troop. Yeah, yeah. He fig- well he figured it out. He was adaptable, but just I just cringed every time I saw him. Arakpo uh, sweat sweat Arakpo drop back in the coverage. I'm like, what what are we doing, Greg Minuski? Like, what are you doing? Seriously, who was the dude before Greg right. Minuski? Um, Joe Barry, Joe Barry, Joe Barry. oh man, from the Chargers. Man, he's still Joe working Barry. though. He, he's still, he, is, or he is still. He's working for uh, uh, Sean McVay. That's right. On LA. Man. Yeah. See, it's all about who you know. He's still Got working. That Ramskin coaching staff out there. Man, Kevin maybe, O'Connell's maybe, out there uh, too. Maybe uh, uh, old Danny Boy and Jason said what's up to him when they were visiting the stadiums, touring, touring the Rams <laughs> stadium uh, this week. But the point is, is that if we're look, look, we gotta stop capping for, for uh, dudes who are replaceable. Morgan Moses is replaceable. All right, Morgan Moses was never an A player. He's a B player, B minus to B. He'd have A plus games on occasion, but he also had just as many D and F games too. Yeah. He wasn't an average to above average right tackle, which is so you, you want you want above average. We so, got go ahead. 
So you can officially stop capping for for Darius guys, right? I stopped stopped capping for Darius guys (laughs) a long time ago. You know what? I'm still capping for AGG, so this, there's this, that. This coming from this from a guy I know has a Heath Schuler jersey. I know Steve has a, <laughs> you, you worst, must be talking about Steve because I didn't like Heath yeah. Schuler when we drafted him. Oh, I was ten I years did. old. I, I, want, I, I was I ten years old and I wanted Trent Dill for that draft. My first Redskins game ever was in FedEx. Was it FedEx or RFK? I can't remember. And did Chief Schuler play in, in FedEx 94? No, he played at RFK. 95? So my first game, RFK, and they were playing the Cardinals. And I want to say he threw it to Brian Mitchell probably 15, 16 times out of 20. It was it was bad. They got destroyed. That's my Heath Schuler story. It was awful. But look, yeah. Look, Heath, Heath Schuler, I'm not going to get into that. Other, nobody, um, not even Heath Schuler. Um, but at the same time, like I said, we, and this actually transitions well to our next topic. It's not like we don't have guys on the roster who can't replace Morgan Moses and give us equal to better production. But we thought that way about Trent, and last year it kind of proved us wrong. I, I will say I was wrong. I'm like, there's no way we can replace Trent. Well, we found a way, and it was pretty damn good. Right. With, with, with no money. Right. No, so. I, I, honestly, we've done a pretty good job of stop gapping left tackle for Trent. You know, I thought honestly, I wanted us to re-sign Donald Penn after 2019. Yeah. I'm with like, you. That, Same dude, here. that dude can still play. He's not Trent Williams, but he's a solid left tackle. That's and we got everybody know. I was the first person to say I like uh, Cornelius Lucas. <laughs> you did. You did. You were Cornelius yeah, Lucas. Pretty guy. good. I was also. Uh, Wes uh, Schleich, whatever. Schweitzer. I, no, I was, I was early on the Wes Schweitzer bandwagon. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I still think he's going to start. I still think. I still think. I still think that he's going to start guard, and Sheriff is going to be gone. I don't know how soon that's going to be, but I think Sheriff is gone, man. Well, if Sheriff it's, isn't traded, he's gone after this season. And is he, on, think- is he on one of those exclusive? Uh, What's the uh, the uh, franchise tags or the one right below it? Because I know that like, on the exclusive, the whole contract's pretty much we got to pay on no matter where we trade them. Yeah, but let's right. We can talk about guards and everything. Let's talk about let's talk about tackle since we just got rid of Mo- Moses. Um, Jerron Christian, Louisville. Jerron Christian's gone, yeah. which I know Dev probably you know down six shots of fireball in a row to celebrate. Uh, <laughs> and some Rumplemans, but. Uh, Cheers to that. We have three guys who can start on both sides of the line. Three guys who are starting quality players. Now, I know I'm projecting with Cosme because he hasn't played a snap in the NFL. But I think that Cosme looks so good in rookie minicamp that they it made the decision for them with Moses. They said, you know what? We don't need this guy. We now have three guys who can play over there. They knew they could put Cosby at either side. Now, everybody thinks that Cosby's what forced Moses out. Remember, Charles Leno can play on the right side, too. But what about yeah. Sadiq Charles? He's not, he not playing tackle at all now? Sadiq he Charles just... may be in, in, factored in, too. But, you see, he's also looked at as a guard. So, I don't – I'm not even counting him in it yet because he's also been more of a, of, of a guard projection. I don't think we're done changing that line. Something's going to happen, man. Something's going to happen. There's going to be an addition. 
Somewhere. I don't know if it's going to be an addition, but I think one of these guys is going is projected to just step up big time. But we have so much depth that we got rid of our second most tenured starter on the line. We have that much depth. Yeah. The only guy who's got as much ten- – I'm sorry. Moses has been here longer than Sheriff. So Moses is our longest tenured guy on the line, and they said – Thank you for your services, uh, but they're no longer needed. And I think, I mean, the, the little bit of tape I saw on Cosby and Rookie Minicamp, Lord, as a lineman guy, that dude moves so swift and so smoothly. He's never lumbering. Like you imagine li- linemen, 320, 330-pound guys that kind of just, you know, do this, this, this ambling move. He now, moves never, like an athlete. It's very fluid never, movement. Hands are always out, keeping that distance between him and the defender, but still controlling the pads. Um, he stays low. The, the dude's athletic, and you see, athletic guys tend to play on the right or sorry, on the left side, and that's why I think that Leno may be moving to the right side or Cornelius Lucas, one of the two, if Cosme starts at left. I don't know. I don't know who's going to play on that line. I, I, I don't do know like, either, I but like I, I'm excited. I think that I feel like the only one that's safe is the center. You know? <laughs> and he might Chase Rue has, yeah. Chase Rue has, has job security like nobody else. Maybe. Maybe. And then it's kind of weird. Uh, I just wonder, man. I wonder if they were, if Washington is really going to go another year paying Brandon Sheriff. $18 million and not it neither just let him walk away with nothing or give him 20 something million next year. Like that seems yeah, like that's that, the only two choice. Right. So why are you going to just think, let him walk? It I think that weird. this is his last year and he's, he's done. But I think why, he's gone. if that's I the think. case, why not cut him? And, that, and that's what I'm trying to say. I, I don't think that's un, why not renounce his like, like a, like Carolina did, uh, What's his face? Uh, the the cornerback we got a few years back, Josh Norman. Yeah, Josh they Norman. did it the same way. I feel, and it's what it's the same guys in the office, man. The same guys upstairs making the same I calls. Mean, I, I think this year they're making a run. It might it might be a one year run for now. They're making a run this year, so and I think they got to have starting, them. You cut your starting one time Pro Bowl right tackle though. If you're making a run, it doesn't make sense. If you're making a run, trade. Some first round picks for Watson or Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that's what's up. But I'm trying to figure out if it just, it's some something doesn't add up. It, it feel like something. It's feel like an incomplete scenario to me. Like like getting rid of getting rid of Moses. I think it's a precursor to something else going to happen. Yeah, I don't I, I don't agree. know if that involves the line or not necessarily, but maybe it involved his salary. In case of another move, maybe it's an extension to Allen. Maybe it's just as simple as that. I think that's what it probably is. We're, we, I think we came to that conclusion the other day. Was it's probably Allen's extension getting ready to come up? And I don't know. I think we have more depth at the, at the O line now than we do on the D line. So I don't know. We'll see. It, it, it's a good problem to have. Like like Phil said, um, I think we'll be okay on the offensive line. Surprisingly, even though there's no true stars. Yet, but on, on the website, it's called rlads.com. They got Charles Leno starting at left tackle with Sam Cosby back, backing him up. Eric Flowers at left guard, Chase Ruye at center. 
Brandon Sheriff at right guard and Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. Like that is what they have picked. The team doesn't have their depth chart. Right. So oh, clearly that's a subject to change. But that's that's what I assumed it would be the day they cut uh, Morgan Moses. I don't I don't think you give a guy a tackle job if he hasn't earned it unless you don't have someone there that you want there at all. Like I don't I don't think like if if Lucas was a backup caliber, if he wasn't a starting caliber tackle caliber tackle. I think that he would automatically get that job and he would say it. I don't think he'd have to fight with someone else at that position. He hasn't earned it unless you don't have someone there that you want there at all. Like, I don't think – like, if, if Lucas was a backup caliber, if he wasn't a starting caliber tackle, caliber tackle, I think that he would automatically get that job and he would say it. I don't think he'd have to fight with someone else at that position. Well, it's hard to say because – because we have so much starting cap, uh, cap starting capacity depth, I don't think anyone's job is safe except for Rie. Because Rie's yeah. who we got at center besides him. But I, I mean, I just don't see where we have. I mean, even even Sheriff, he's tradable at this point. And you have I, I, I know I know what you're saying about are we making a run? What are we doing here? I think they're really just trying to build and and build a team that they want with the guys who can play multiple positions. They I've noticed they like having depth. They like the freedom to move guys around who already are starters. And a lot of that just seems to be the idea of never get caught sleeping, never get caught slipping, and never get caught with your pants down. Always have a backup plan. Always have somebody you can just plug right in. And that seems to be a lot of their moves. You gotta remember, this is a team that, you know, before Ron came in, what, what was it, three years in a row we led the league and guys on IR? Yeah. So we've seen what happens when a couple guys go down. Not pretty. No, but, it's not. But all right, well, let's listen a little more upbeat. Phil, you recently conducted an interview with a team for the fan ambassador program. So do tell what you, what you can and, and how it went. Well, I won't tell too much because, you know, I think that's up to the franchise to determine what they want out there, but I can tell you what the broader goal is. And the idea is that they're going to have cohorts of fans. That they have chosen on various topics, various uh, groupings, and they're going to bring them in. What their job is, is basically to be the voice of the fan base and to have a seat at the table that before decisions are made with this franchise. Now, we're not talking about personnel decisions, people, so don't get excited. Phil's not going to be an assistant GM. (laughs) But when it comes to fan experiences at the field, when it comes to how we present things on social media, how all the things in that, that you do ancillary to the on-the-field product, that the fans get a seat at the table, and they get to have some input on this, and they get to see things from that from, from the team organization's perspective, and they get to give the organizational organization feedback before whatever they are looking to do hits, you know, whatever, if it's a social media push or if it's a, you know, something they're going to do at the stadium that we see it first and we can tell them, 
this is a good thing. This is a bad thing. Here's some things you can need to work on. We're the ones with feedback. We're the focus group. We're the ones, you know, who, who bring that, you know, who can bring that to the team. And they're going to have, it's multiple categories. And it's going to be like, from what I understand, 10 to 15 people in each category. Right. So you're probably looking at, what, 80 to 150 fans, you know, or something like that. I don't remember how many categories it is right off the top of my head, but you're looking at a large, you know, pretty large number of fans that are going to be taking part in this. And, you know, that will be meeting regularly to discuss these things. So I was excited. I, I'm excited for the for the program. I, you know, even if I'm not a part of it, which I don't know if I am, I don't know if I'm not. I don't know who's capping on social media. They're going to be interviewing for it. I don't know who who isn't. I know of one other person who I know legitimately did interview. But anyway, I feel like this is the, the team's trying to do it right. They're doing a complete rebrand. We are completely trying to transition an old identity into a new identity. And they want to make sure that they are doing every step of the way in a way that not only keeps the current fan base, but re-engages them, gets them more involved, and broadens it. And I, I think that they're they're really doing some wonderful things with this. And, and, and you know, I, I, I like the energy in the interview. That I was getting, I, I knew everything that I felt. I felt it was genuine, corporate, but genuine. I'll say that. I mean, it is a four billion dollar organization here, but um, true, true. You know, that, but that's but cool. I mean, it was it was it was fantastic. It was it really was a, a a fun little experience just to do the interview. Well, remember we when we had Julie on last week, she she hit on all those same things. It's just there. It is yes, it is. It might seem like a lot. But I think they're making up for all the lost time they had with the fans because when Bruce was running the show, we didn't hear from Bruce. Right. We heard from him once in the off season, over like a ten year span, however, and that's when he made that stupid winning off the field. We never comment. We never heard from Dan. We never knew how the team was doing. We never knew their vision. They trotted these different coaches out there with, uh, you know. Shanny and, and Gruden and even, you know, even the coaches before that Zorn, I mean, one nightmare after the other. So it is refreshing that they're doing stuff like this and they're getting the fans involved. And but, um, another cool thing that they're doing is they're offering, um, they're calling flavors of the DMV showcase. So they're bringing in local restaurants, food trucks, whatever you want to basically audition. Um, June 14th at the field and there's registration from May 18th to June 2nd. And you have a spot to compete, to be a vendor at the stadium. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. They're doing a, a program where they're bringing in all these, you know, local, uh, you know, chefs and, and restaurants and food trucks and so forth to provide kind of a, a taste of DC. Um, and really provide a scent, you know, just, just a, a new flavor to it. Because one thing we always hear about, about FedEx is that the food's not good and that, you know, the, the game day experience, you know, it, there's no, there's no vibe to it. And I think, you know, one of the things I'll tell you is that food, when it comes to representing a city, food is one of those things that does it. Food creates a vibe. 
you know, the smells, the taste, the flavors, that's an important thing. It's, it's kind of underrated. You know, we, we all make jokes about Philly cheesesteaks and Chicago dogs and, and New York style pizza. You know, it's certain foods, you know, they, they invoke certain regions. And I think that giving DC its own unique flavor is important. So um, I, I think this is a, I think this is solid, solid uh, stuff that they're doing. It really is. Yeah, it, it's exciting and, and sorry for that technical difficulty, but it, it'll be good to see them bring in the local flavor and they got to hit that one out the park. They got, they have to, whoever they select. So, Look, Nats Park's, Nats Park's done a pretty good job with that. That's the standard, right? They have the different sushis, the beers. Of course, Ben's Chili Bowl was the first one they brought in, but they're really stepping up their game with that modern day, you know, cuisine. And you don't got to get too fancy. It's a football stadium, right? But can we do something other besides the Green Turtle and then your standard? You know what I mean? Just let's just Johnny Rockets. Anything? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I wonder why they chose Johnny Rockets. So. What is All right, Johnny, so let's, what, let's, is, what is what is Johnny Rockets? Uh, it's, it's like so Johnny Rockets is is a standard. I don't know. You call it diner, burger diner. You call it Phil. Like maybe best way to describe it. Like steak, kind of like, kind of like steak and shake. Yeah, it's just that Mr. Schneider has a a ownership stake in Johnny Rockets, so that's why the Johnny Rockets are in the stadium, and, that, and that's fine. Oh. But I think we can do better than Johnny Rockets. Okay. And I don't know if that's a national chain or just something local here on the East Coast. But It's regional. It's a regional deal. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, as we're doing this new segment here called Enemy Intel in Reverse, it's very difficult to do. We kicked it off last week with Manny. So we're trying to predict how, how are we looking starting from the end of the season going backwards. So this is the second time we're doing it. We're going to be talking about weeks, week well, I'll call it week 17. I guess it would really be week 18, right? Vegas picked us having eight wins. Okay. So think about think about that for the second to last game of the season in Philly. What do you think about that game? You know, what's, what's your thoughts on, on a week 17 game versus Philly at FedEx? Is it important? Is it not important? And we had we got the Giants the following week. So go ahead. Yeah. All of all the last this, all five of the last games of the year is are important. So yeah, that counts. Yeah. It'll it'll be but the last the last five games of the year will will determine the uh the conference or the easily. Yeah, division yeah, it's it really is. And I think that because I think this is gonna be a close division, I think that that game's gonna be really important, especially because it's a home game. And we'll have just played Philly what two weeks before. We have to sh- we have to show up. The team has to show up. The fans have to show up. This is going to be very important. And I think that this is going to be a really good barometer. If the team's playing well, if we're fighting for that division title and we have a winning record going into that week, um, I think that this is going to be a really good barometer for the fan base's engagement for this team. If we're playing well and we're going into a possibly deciding game um, and the fan base turns out, then you know the organization's going in a, in a good direction. So it's a very important game, not just for on-the-field purposes, but for broader, you know, future of the team, uh, you know, purposes. And, and whether or not all this culture change and everything is going to turn people out. I think that that's going to be a big, big 
big test. And I think that's going to be one of the games we're going to see because Philly usually travels well. They're only, you know, hundred and some miles up the road. So I think that, like I said, this is, you know, they'll, they, they send their fans when the tickets are for sale. So if we're playing well, this game's going to be very important for the team as well as for the organization. I agree. I mean, I, I don't know how to say it. I mean, any, the, any of the games we play our own division is going to be uh, important this year, especially. Yeah, yeah but it, the way they schedule this, man, I, I it's like, damn, they're really just going to throw make it make us have to you know run the gauntlet through the NFC East to win the NFC East. But we're, go, we're I think that we are a team that's going to be settled to be strong finishers, anyways, because I think there's a lot of new pieces that at that point of the year will hopefully be gelling. You know, I think it like just like last year, you know, everybody starts selling in their roles. We start knowing who could depend on and, you know, what we could do defensively. Uh, people started selling in their positions and we went on that big run and started, you know, winning the games down a stretch we needed to win. I'm hoping I hope in a perfect world we pick up where we ended. But I also hope we end off the same we did last year as well. We end off very strong and, and win those games. I mean, I'd rather drop some of those early games and think, man, we got to win the rest of them and just win the rest of them. I, we got to win those last five games, I think, at least four of them. Yeah. And screw the Absolutely. schedule makers for doing that, man. We'll say they got to say that each week. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One week at a time. Yep. And uh, so uh, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and uh, close this one out, fellas. It's been a good one. Um, give a big shout out to Rod for not making with making it here with us tonight. But um, Phil, you got any shout outs before we close out? Shout out to Rod's son. It's his birthday. Shout out to Rod's son. Yeah, Rod's son. It's RJ's birthday, right? I believe. Is it RJ's birthday? I. I Yep, it is. It is. I'm, I'm horrible with remembering, you know, orders of kids for people when they have multiple kids. So I believe it is RJ because he turns ten today. Shout out to the young man. Um, hopefully, Rod can keep him steered on the correct path to being a Washington fan. I know he's out in Kansas City where there's a lot of winning going on, and that's very influential. But uh, some winning starting to go on over here. So Rod. <laughs> Young man's birthday. Hope you got him some, you know, some burgundy and gold swag. And, uh, you know, happy birthday to young man. Yep, that's right. Hey, oh, shout out to my daughter for graduating high school today, Alyssa. Class of 21. Congratulations. Congratulations. Shout out. Yes. All right, shout fellas. out to all the kids who graduated, uh, you know, having to do their last year of their of high school virtual or hybrid or, you know, whatever, just not getting that typical senior experience that sucks but uh shout out hey. to all the baby daddies getting off child support today too man it's <laughs> <laughs> been waiting a long 18 years for this <laughs> dev always keeping things the important things on on his mind <laughs> steve I, I didn't know he was froze he's over <laughs> we're gonna throw this pie in the trash man this one <laughs> Y'all haven't noticed we're having some uh, some technical difficulties on the host's end with Steve. Um, so, you know. I told Steve it's his hat, his big ass Washington hat. I say it looked like the uh, the Asian fabulous. <laughs> 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 <I don't know. laughs>
Please go. Uh, all right. Well, for the unfortunately technical difficulty, Steve, for Dev, this is Phil. Thank you for tuning in to Washington. Throwing this one away. Throwing this Peace. one away. Fuck Preston Marshall. Everything else. Don't cut Aaron Colvin. Keep him on the team. I gotta have somebody <laughs> to fuck with. You know, I, I feel like Aaron Colvin when he whenever he's done playing football, he's gonna get on me like Kwame Brown. Man, I'm gonna leave that dude alone, man. <laughs>